Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Have a comment about today's show? Visit RoyGreenShow.com. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. The Canadian Association of Chiefs of Police won legislation which would um, compel anyone, if a judge agrees, to make their Internet password available to police. Many lawyers believe this is not going to happen because of the charter. And I'm uh, speaking with David Fraser, Canada's foremost Internet privacy lawyer at McKinnis Cooper in Halifax. He's the uh, operator of the Canadian Privacy Law blog and doesn't side with the position taken by the chiefs. So I just want to run something... Uh, by the way, I tweeted this. If a PW blocks access to information which would save the innocent from a savage terror attack, do we say the law protects the password too bad? I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be cavalier about this, but David, I just want just to go back to September 11th, 2001. Because we have the anniversary coming up, the 15th anniversary is coming up, and in Gander there's going to be a um, special recognition on the 10th and 11th. And it's uh, being put on by the uh, city of Gander and by the uh, Wounded Warriors Canada. 9-11 changed the course of history for Canada and Canadians. Over 40,000 CAF members served in Afghanistan. 158 military lives were lost. Many others were wounded, some very seriously, in a manner which will affect them for the rest of their lives. Um, if we... and I, You can accuse me of reaching here. But I've just watched this world in the last couple of years. Paris, Brussels, London. You know, this, you know the stories. You know the tragedies. Nice. Um, Dhaka. You know, so many, so many places. So much tragedy. If you knew, or if you had reasonable suspicion, if you had reasonable evidence that would point to another horrific event to take place. And that information that would disclose the participants and the actions they were likely to, to take, undertake, were hidden behind a series of passwords. What would you do? Would, would, can, you, can, you play by the, can you play by the rules that we put in place when the world is a more peaceful place? I, I'm going to hand the floor is yours. I'm not, I'm not a lawyer. I'm, I don't understand the specifics of the law. I just know what I've covered, the stories I've covered, and the tragedies I've covered, and the people I've talked to. And Anyway, go ahead. Well, way to throw a softball question there, Roy. Um, yeah, that, that, I don't, I'm not at all unsympathetic to all of that. The one thing that I know for sure is that those who perpetrate 
terrorism offenses and terrorism generally against us and against the West uh, would be delighted to see us surrender our fundamental democratic values as a, as a response. That's part of the reason for, for terrorism. And so and I think that, that we need to be um, that we need to be strong in the ideals that distinguish us from those who would like, for example, a theocratic state uh, or an authoritarian state. And what makes us different in, in, in no small measure uh, is the, the, are the legal rights and the values that we have enshrined in, in documents like the Charter of Rights and Freedoms or the Bill of Rights in the, in the United States that we shouldn't be surrendering, the, surrendering those so, so readily. And I haven't seen any examples of, of cases where and certainly we've seen massive amounts of police and national security overreach since 9-11. But I haven't seen any example where, in fact, that has uh, made ourselves safer. All it has put in place is, is what's often what has been referred to as turnkey totalitarianism, which is the, the ability of the government through the massive amount of warrantless, suspicionless surveillance that they do on all of our communications, particularly international communications, uh, so that if a bad guy were to become elected and, and look south of the border, it could happen, um, that, uh, that all of the infrastructure would be in place for that, for that to happen. In our system, if you knew that somebody, or if you had reasonable, probable grounds to believe, or, or even stronger than that, that somebody was engaged in a, in a terrorism plot, you could not require that person to speak to a police officer. That's a bedrock value in our, uh, in our system. And yes, people could die, but the reality is, is that that value is what is one of the important checks and balances in our, in our system. And I'm not at all unsympathetic. And, and as I said earlier, I'm glad that the Canadian Association of Chiefs and Police put this out there as a proposal, because I think it's something that we need to talk about. And, and there may be a solution. So, for example, what I've seen previously for things that, that, that CAPCP has advocated for, which is lawful access, so the ability without a warrant to get access to information about Internet communications. Well, all of the examples given relate to terrorism and child pornography and, and really heinous crimes. Uh, but when it's actually implemented or, or when the rubber hits the road, uh, let's say in, in Bill C-30 a couple of years ago, when their lawful access proposal was put in the form of a, of a bill, your mayor would have been able to get access to your communications for a parking ticket and actually for no offense whatsoever. And so maybe if you want to implement this where it is so such a significant impact on some of our fundamental values. You reserve it only for those cases, for those crimes, for those offenses uh, where the stakes are that high. But absolutely, under no circumstances, should something like this be put in place uh, for a parking ticket, uh, for something relatively trivial. I wasn't talking about a parking ticket. And I know you're not uh, lacking in empathy either. Uh, We're living in a world where, from day to day, we don't know what's going to happen we don't know what's going to happen. We've been exposed to the most horrific of circumstances. We've been exposed to them again and again. Um, but, I just but, go back. Let me just let me just let me just let me just say this to you, David. Let me just say this to you. Eliminate tens of thousands of deaths every year. David, would outlaw cars, but we're not prepared to David, do that no, in our please, society. Please, let's stay with the subject here. Um, I go back to the year after 9/11. I did a broadcast from uh, New York on the anniversary at WOR Radio. And um, the night before, we went to St. Paul's Church, which was right across from where the World Trade Center stood. And on the fence around the church, thousands and thousands of personal messages. 
um, to loved ones to um, say thank you to police firefighters. You know, you can imagine. I mean, maybe you've seen it. I don't know. But there was one sign. Yep. There was one small sign that I will never forget. Little piece, of, little piece of cardboard was attached to the fence. And on a child's writing, it said, I love you, Daddy. That made such a huge impression on me. And, and, and looking at Paris, looking at Brussels, I don't want to go through the, through all, the whole list. But it is going to happen again. We're told it's going to happen again. We've been told it's going to happen again by security experts. That it is, in, that, that it is real, that we are going to get hit. All I'm saying is, is if you have the information that it's going to happen, and now to corroborate that information or to stop it from happening, you need to get behind some passwords, we have a decision to make. That's all. That's all I'm saying. And I'm not, I know you're not lacking in empathy. I know you're approaching this from the perspective, the legal perspective, and the fact that we have a charter and we have a constitution, and in the United States they have a Bill of Rights, and they're well thought out, and they've been, they've been developed over years and over centuries. But... What's happened over the last 15 years has changed so much of the dynamic of the way our society operates and runs. It, it's just, it's just where I am. It's just that's where I stand. Well, and, and for me, it's not that I'm clinging to just the words of the charter. I'm clinging to the spirit that that represents. It's a free society. I understand and, and, that. And, 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 and I'm, I'm not prepared to hand that over uh, because of fear of these sorts of things. Well, it's not fear of, it's not, it wouldn't be a case of saying, well, I'm afraid this might happen, so let's just go and do a little bit of a, of a, of a hunt, like an Easter, an egg hunt for passwords. No, we have specific information, specific information, which leads us to believe, leads us to understand that something horrific is going to happen, is planned, we know who the players are. Now we need to get at their information, the information's hidden behind their passwords. What do we do? I guess sooner or later, or sooner than later, we're going to have to deal with that. Well, I think so. And it's good to have a discussion about it now, when it's not in the aftermath of, let's say, a Parliament Hill shooting or something else like that, where we can have it in a rational, sort of dispassionate way, and we can be respectful of people's views without uh, fear-mongering and, and demonizing, which I'm often not, happens in, in the aftermath of, of that uh, yeah, but I, I don't of believe, event. I don't believe I'm fear-mongering. I'm, oh, no, not, not, no, I'm not saying you are. I'm saying that we're actually having a rational, sensible discussion yeah, about it. Yeah. Um, and, and, but too often these discussions take place Afterwards. in the aftermath, and, and, and also at the same time, uh, police and law enforcement, national security, and, and others tend to overreach. Well, you're right, because in the aftermath, you can have knee-jerk reactions that do lead to overreaching, and then you really compromise your society far too significantly. Well, and that's it. And, and I think part of, this, part of this proposal put forward by the chiefs is that um, it reflects the reality that the only person in Canada who can unencrypt un- and, and crack a smartphone in terms of a manufacturer is BlackBerry. And because Apple is outside of Canada, Google is outside of Canada, uh, Nokia is outside of Canada, Microsoft is outside of Canada. And so even if they had an order, and frankly, they could get one. It's called an assistance order. It's provided for in the criminal code. Uh, it's not going to be effective because there's nobody within the jurisdiction of the court. So this is, in fact, an, an interesting way of dealing with the Canadian reality where the only manufacturer of smartphones is, uh, is BlackBerry. Uh, the world has changed so much in the last 15 years. 
And uh, I have a sneaking suspicion it's going to change a lot more in the next 15. David, it's, I always appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. I do. I, I, I learn from my conversations with you. We don't always agree. Most of the time we do. But 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 I learned from my conversations with you, and I appreciate well, I'm, it. I'm always always happy to chat. Thanks, David Thank Fraser you. from McKinnis Cooper in Halifax, one of the world's leading experts, legal experts, on the issue of internet and privacy law. When we come back, we're going to be speaking to the executive director of Wounded Warriors Canada about the uh, upcoming September 10th and 11th. Special two days at Gander, Newfoundland. Some 6,600 unexpected drop-in visitors suddenly arrived in Gander on the 11th of of September 2001. 39 planes, 6,600 people. Doubled the population of Gander that day. We'll come back.